Behold, a gateway to your own past, if you wish. History is strange, it's alien, and it won't give us what we would like to have. Glad you're here for hour number three of the program. We are going to move on from the news of today, because you're going to hear about that the rest of the day on the station anyway. And we're going to go to the news of tomorrow, yes, and yesterday. Dave Bowman joins us as Dave does history in this hour, brought to you by the McPherson Financial Group. Multiple links to links to Dave. Dave's show, Dave's uh, information on this topic and others for you at BillMick.com, where our headline this morning is uh, Supreme Court leak Roe versus Wade out. And that may be the case, but we shall see as we uh, get the opportunity. And Dave Bowman, good morning. Welcome. Good to have you along, buddy. News of yesterday and today and tomorrow. All in one. It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Um, by the way, if you want to end with Dave, as we get a chance to get to calls later, it's 321-768-1240. And you can always comment on the uh, talkback feature on the iHeartRadio app if you're listening that way. Dave, what do you have in store for us today? In April of 1917, late April, early May of 1917, the United States government has a huge problem. The problem is that they've just declared war on Imperial Germany. Now, this is after President Wilson spends a year running for re-election to be president of the United States on the campaign theme, quote, he kept us out of the war, unquote. But six months after the election, now he's asking Congress for a declaration of war, and Congress overwhelmingly votes to declare war on Imperial Germany, but they still have this huge problem. And the huge problem is that roughly a third of the citizenry of the United States of America at the time is either German descent or German immigrants or Central European immigrants and descendants. In other words, the countries that we just declared war on. And they are not excited about the idea of putting on a uniform, picking up a gun, and shooting at their 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 ancestral homeland, all for the United States of America. Now, is that to say, Dave, that these Germans in the America obviously divided opinions, but were they largely in favor of what Germany was doing or were they anti? Not necessarily. But see, this is part of the problem with propaganda. Now, propaganda is a word that we have certain meaning to it in our head. But do we really understand what the word means? The word propaganda is actually The root of it actually means propagation of the faith. So in other words, you're trying to get people to believe, you know, whatever it is that you want them to believe. With religious fervor. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We see World War I today in a certain way. And there's a very good reason why we see it that way. But in 1917, 1916, 1917, it wasn't that clear. In fact, there were a lot of people in the United States who believed that England 
was wrong for what they were doing, that they were breaking international law. They were starving children to death. And in this propaganda war, you had a lot of stuff going on. Remember the, the sinking of the U.S. or the RMS Lusitania? You know, we treat that today as if it was some act of piracy. But the Germans at the time said, she's carrying war material. She's a legit target. Well, 100 years on, the British have to admit that, yeah, she was carrying war material. Whoops, our bad 100 years ago. Um, so this declaration of war, it, it, it creates a lot of problems. There's, there's actually a move in Congress to filibuster this, led by uh, Senator LaFolier of Wisconsin, which is, of course, heavily German, heavily Central European. Mm-hmm. They, they don't succeed. And this is, the, this is the beginning, really, of the use of political monikers in this country. We start calling people Germans, German lovers, and Huns, and Kaiser lovers, which we have replaced today with, with you know, another German euphemism. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's really kind of the <laughs> beginning of that. About it the weekend and, and what the frock. Right. Yes, exactly. So something to keep in mind here with this declaration of war in April of 1917, there's no Pearl Harbor. We are not attacked directly. There's mm-hmm. no Holocaust except in the propaganda war where people are trying to convince you that the Germans are murdering everyone. There's none of that. So there's really nothing to unite the American people behind this. And a good third of the country, like I said, is against this war. A good third of the country is very pro this war. And then you have this middle third that's kind of like, again, we got to get involved in somebody else's war again. Do we really want to do that? Americans, is that aligning with what we're seeing in Ukraine with Russia now? You know, it's an interesting comparison, isn't it? Because, yeah, yeah it is very similar to that. Americans, especially Midwestern Americans, are very tepid in their support of this conflict. And German-American immigrants and descendants are really against this, with one really notable exception, a guy by the name of Robert Goldstein. Now, Robert Goldstein, we're going to learn about a little bit later. He is an American citizen. He's an American-born of German immigrants. And he is just really into this idea of going to a war for America. And he really wants to fire up American citizens, particularly German ones, to support this war. Now, none of this is what we're told that today the World War I was. We're told today the World War I was, you know, over there, over there. Uh, this was, you know, the great patriotic war. We were going to Lafayette, we are here. And so it has this image in our history. But we never stopped to think about how that image came to be. And that's where we're going to go today. It is. And we can pick it up in 60 seconds. You're listening to Dave Does History on Bill Mick Live on WMMB. Dave Bowman hosted Plausibly Live, the Dave Bowman Show podcast with us as Dave Does History every Tuesday on Bill Mick Live in this hour. So, Dave, the president had run on a keeping us out of war platform, and now he's being urged to take the country into war. Where are we at? He's not just being urged to take the country into war. He's the guy that comes up with the idea that we have to go to war. He's well, Woodrow Wilson becomes the most pro-war advocate in this country. He goes to mm. Congress and says, he gives a, a very famous speech in, the, in the, the chamber there, asking Congress to declare war on Imperial Germany because we have to save democracy throughout the world and yada, yada, yada. 
But as any politician does, he's got his fingers on the pulse of the country and he's not feeling the support he needs. That's part of the problem. So how do we do this? Well, he's got a friend. This friend's name is George Creel, C-R-E-E-L. Now, George Creel is a newspaper man. In fact, he's a publisher, a journalist. He's worked in, he, he started his journalism career in Kansas City where everything was up to date. He actually gets a job later on writing jokes, not making this up. He is a joke writer in New York City for the Hearst Papers and for, for Pulitzer. He actually he was the first Daily Show. Yeah. Uh, you know, we have a good friend, uh, Rusty Humphreys, who who made his bones writing jokes for Rush, Rush Limbaugh. So Yes, he did. Absolutely. George Creel, kind of the same thing. He finally gets fed up with, you know, writing jokes for other people. He starts his own newspaper in Kansas City. He's very pro-suffrage. He's very, uh, you know, very progressive, as many people were in that era. And by 1916, he is a huge supporter of Wilson's reelection campaign. And comes to the attention of, of Wilson and becomes good friends with Wilson. And Wilson calls him into the Oval Office and says, what do we do about this? And it's George Creel who comes up with this idea that the president agrees to. And in May of 1917, just days after we declare war on Germany, they form something called, listen to this phrase very carefully here, the Committee on Public Information. <laughs> Does that sound familiar today? Does it? Now, yep. the CPI or Committee on Public Information is given a very broad mandate, a very wide writ, but primarily they're looking at doing some things here. Number one, they're going to be the people that officially release any government news about the war. So, in other words, if you get government, if you get news about the war and it doesn't come from the CPI, well, it must, it must be fake. Mm -hmm. They're going to quote never heard that before. Either. Right. They're going to sustain morale in the United States of America. How? Well, that's kind of open up. They are going to administer quote unquote, voluntary press censorship. How's that supposed to work? Good question. More importantly, why does voluntary press censorship need to be administered? Uh -huh. <laughs> exactly. And they're going to develop propaganda abroad. Remember that the word propaganda, as George Creel himself will say, is to propagate the faith, not the way the Germans use it. We're going to do it our way. They're going to have at this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they're going to have distinct divisions. There's like 37 different divisions within the CPI. They've got division that makes movies. Now, remember, movies in 1917 were very popular. They were very new, but they were very popular. So they're going to make movies. They're going to publish newspapers and news stories. They are going to literally take over the United States Postal Service and make sure that all the mail in the country is delivered properly. And let's just say some of it's not going to be delivered properly because they don't approve of it. And we'll see what the impact is when we continue in moments on Bill Mick Live. Dave Bowman with us. Dave does history on WMMB.
Bowman joins Bill for our weekly look at the past. We're kind of hoping to learn something new or at least have some fun, you know? It's Dave Does History on Bill McLive. And our hour brought to you by the McPherson Financial Group. Your access is 321-768-1240. My McNugget today will be on the topic of the day up until this hour, which was the leak of the Supreme Court and what's going on there. That'll be at 5.30 during Sean Hannity. Dave Bowman with us from Silverdale, Washington. Dave, welcome back, sir. We're talking about the Committee on Public Information. They're taking over basically every communications channel. And this is back in 19, what, 17-ish? This begins this in begins. May of 1917. And it's important to understand the, the depth to which they take over all communication in the United States of America. Now, it's 1917, so things are a little different, but they, uh, there's no radio at this point, Bill. I know that's mm. weird for us, but it, there's no radio. They actually take over the Postal Service. And if you happen to publish a newsletter or a newspaper of which the government no longer approves because it's not you know, pro-war, it doesn't get delivered. And they make sure of this. They, they draw posters. <laughs> Because most Americans are illiterate and they're drawn to, to artwork and, and the likes of that. But they also have this thing called, and this is probably the most amazing part of this, the four-minute men. Which I'm not sure most men today would want to be labeled a four-minute man. But, <laughs> yeah, but exactly, the four-minute men are, are a group of men who are recruited by Creel and the CPI to deliver four-minute speeches at public events. They deliver them in every language you can name, English, German, French, Italian, Russian, Croatian, Polish. Because we were that melting pot at the time. People exactly. were coming here like crazy. And they focus on Central European and German-type languages. And they give these four-minute patriotic speeches before movies, before uh, concerts, before all this kind of stuff. And they're, they're famous throughout the land. And there's like 30,000 of these guys that go all over the place. So. This Committee on Public Information essentially takes over all communication in the United States of America in 1917. And in this environment where the government is essentially controlling speech and outlawing or at least suppressing speech of which it does not approve, things begin to change in the United States of America. And by 1918, laws are being passed both on the state level and the federal level, that all but outlawed dissent and speech of dissent, including something called the Sedition Act, which gets passed uh, in 1917. This act, which is still on the books today, by the way, parts of it, and in fact, chunks of it are being used in the January 6th incident, leads to the arrest and imprisonment of people. A guy by the name of Eugene Debs is arrested. Now, Eugene Debs is a socialist. He's a commie. He's a, he's a you know, trades unionist kind of guy. And it's easy to look at him now and go, who cares? He was anti-American. He was socialist. He was seditious. He should have been in jail. But is that really what we believe about freedom of speech? Is that really who we are? We arrest people because this lone crackpot is out here telling people that they shouldn't support the war? Is that Apparently, real? that's who we were at the time. That's what we believed then. At least we followed along and allowed ourselves to believe it. This guy languishes in prison for years. 
But there are others who are, I don't want to call them victims, but they are affected by this, this law and downstream. People like Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, who it turns out were spies, but at the time that wasn't so clear. Um, Bradley Manning, Chelsea Manning, is actually charged under portions of this same law that came out of the activities of the CPI. Uh, Edward Snowden is, is someone who's affected by this. And a guy by the name of Julian Assange is, is, has been charged under this act that came about because of the activities of the Committee on Public Information in 1917. Mm. But amongst the German citizenry in the country in 1917, there is one German who is actually an American citizen. He's born here, and his parents are German immigrants. His name is Robert Goldstein, and he is what most people would refer to today as hyper-patriotic. This is the guy running around with the flags on his truck. He's, you know, wearing the, the tricorn hat. Still he, waving Trump flags, you know, two years after the election. Well, I got you. Dave, I want to get into him in just a moment. First, let me remind everybody, the McPherson Financial Group is this hour's sponsor of the program. It takes execution, planning, and an income plan for your retirement to get you ready for those retirement years. The McPherson Financial Group will offer up a complimentary review of your current plan. If you're not satisfied with it, would a second opinion help you here? Well, they're willing to give you one and take a look at what you're doing now and help you build better security for those retirement years. Planning and execution to get there most certainly. Reach out to the McPherson Financial Group at 321 321- 253-2016 and let them show you what they've got in store and how they can help you attain those goals for your retirement. You can also do this online at mcphersonfinancialgroup.com. The McPherson Financial Group LLC is a financial services firm offering a broad array of products and services that include insurance and annuities. They're licensed in Florida. I am compensated for this endorsement. And yes, they handle my financial planning. Don't forget their show on weekends. It's the art of money three times each weekend on WMMB. Dave Bowman, we're talking about uh, Robert Goldstein and what has happened to him. You say he's super patriotic. What's going on? He is really, I mean, I don't, I don't. I don't know that I've ever met anybody who would be more patriotic than Robert Goldstein. I really don't. He's also, by the way, a Hollywood producer. Or I guess a better way to put it would be he's a Hollywood producer wannabe. He really wants to be a bigwig in Hollywood. And so he comes up with this idea in late 1916, because by then it's clear that we're going to go to war. And he wants to have this ready by early 1917, by the spring of 17, because he wants to produce a film that will encourage all Americans, but particularly German Americans, to get behind the war. And so he creates a film. The name of the film is The Spirit of 1776. And you've never seen it. I'll tell you why here in a minute, but. Okay. He he produces this film. Now, as you can probably tell, it's about the American Revolution. And it is an, it's just a huge production about how Americans came to overcome tyranny. And so, just like America overcame tyranny in 1776 with the spirit of 1776, we can overcome tyranny in 1917 with the American spirit still of 1776, and we can go fight this war and defeat tyranny overseas, right? 
the film is completed. It's, it's a very long film. Remember, this is a silent film era. It's somewhere between nine and 12 reels long. So hour, hour and 20 minutes or so. It's, it's a long <laughs> film for the silent era. And it is released in early May of 1917. It makes its debut in the state of Ohio for some reason. And it is widely praised as just being the most patriotic thing we've ever seen. It maybe makes your heart swell, right? This is the newspaper, contemporary newspaper reports of the day. And yet no one else will ever see the film again because George Creel and his propaganda committee, sorry, public information committee <laughs> and the state of Ohio don't like this film at all. In fact, they will label this film as, quote, seditious, treasonous, outrageous. And it will be not just banned, Bill. This film will be utterly and completely destroyed, erased from history. That's why we've not seen it. We'll talk about uh, where Mr. Goldstein ends up and where we are today. We told you. Past, present, future with Dave Bowman. Dave does history on Bill McLive. You can get in at 321-768-1240. We pick it up in moments right here on 92.7 FM WMMB. Don't forget, our cash contest starts right before Glenn Beck. Go in some money, will you? Brought to you by Eastside Mower. up a uh what is this this would be a tuesday morning because dave bowman's with us and doing dave does history three two one seven six eight twelve forty space launch schedule.com brings you our space launch coverage page at billmick.com it's uh, on demand the most current and up-to-date launch schedule you'll find from both here on the space coast and around the world again from the folks at space launch schedule.com appreciate them all right we're in the middle of dave does history where Propaganda will rule and the government will jump on dissent. And we're talking about Robert Goldstein, who produced the film Spirit of 1776. And Dave, you say this is a patriotic film, but the government sees it otherwise and decides to come down on it. The initial news the initial reports news. report it as, quote unquote, hyper patriotic. I mean, this film is this film is all about how great America is and how we overcame tyranny. And the government, particularly the state of Ohio, starts it, but probably leaned on by George Creel and later the United States government, they quickly label the film as seditious. Now, remember that seditious is conduct or speech inciting people to rebel against the authority of a state or a monarch, but in our case, a state, the United States. And so come to find out in the war effort that they were trying to push too. In your view and in my view, yes. But the government okay. saw this as, quote, harmful to the war effort, particularly to German immigrants and descendants, because 
when you're talking about the spirit of 70, 1776 and American Revolution, who's the bad guy? Who's the ter- who's the tyrant? Anybody Are remember? Are you asking me? I thought you were going to tell me. I'm, I'm asking you, who's the tyrant in 1776? King George. And King George happens to be king of? England. Who is now our ally in this fight against imperialist So they spine. think it's going to tick off the, 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 the British because it's about they the Revolutionary think, War. They think that the third of the country that's against this war is going to look at this film and go, see, the British are the bad guys. That's what we've been telling you all along. So this film uh, uh, okay. is seen as seditious because it generates hate, dislike, discontent towards Britain, who is now our ally. And therefore, the film must be banned. And boy, do they ban this film. They don't just ban it. They destroy it. They throw Goldstein in jail. They charge him with sedition, the same thing they've charged Eugene Debs with. And they sit on him. This will go all the way to the United States Supreme Court, which in settled law will say, no, we're just fine with that because we, you know, the war effort is more important than freedom of speech, mm-hmm. which ought to chill us all. Now, Goldstein is an American citizen. This is important to remember. He's born here. He is, an, he is a native American. Yes, his parents are German, but he himself is an American. After the war, he will be deported by the United States of America. We will deport him to Germany of all places are, he's never been. He never has been. In fact, Mm -hmm. it's questionable as to whether or not he even really speaks German, but he goes to Germany. A few years later in 1927, people are starting to wake up realizing that this whole Creel committee, this whole committee on public information thing, this whole propaganda idea was really probably too much. Well, we went a little too far. And so they actually send him a telegram over in Germany saying, hey, come on back. We're, we want to give you a special award at the Motion Picture Academy, right? And his response is, I'd love to come, but I don't even have the money to buy a, a train ticket to get to the port to buy a boat ticket to come back. You have destroyed me. And George Creel is never heard from again. I'm sorry, Robert Goldstein is never heard from again. And by the way, his name, Bill, is Goldstein. And in 1933, he completely and utterly disappears from history. No one knows what happened to him. No one knows where he went. But we assume that an American citizen who made a film praising America that the government decided was seditious and we deported an American citizen to Nazi Germany with a Jewish name is never heard from again. In the first wave of the Holocaust, huh? When politics, when patriotism is condemned as sedition, where are we as a republic? We ask ourselves today, will this disinformation government board work? I mean, we're all making fun of it because it seems stupid, but 
much like the word propaganda was for Creel, propagation of the faith, a third of the country was dead set against what Creel's committee was doing and what the government was doing, and they still managed to do it. And a hundred years later, who do we believe? Do we believe George Creel and his, his Committee for Public Information? Or do we believe Robert Goldstein? We don't even know about Robert Goldstein. We still mm-hmm. to this day think that World War I was universally hailed as this effort against imperialism. And we forget that basically half this country was really against it and their speech was suppressed. They were thrown in jail. They were silenced by the United States government with the support of a Supreme Court that said, sure, go right ahead and do that. The war effort is more important than the First Amendment. Implications for today and tomorrow, plus your calls when we come back in 60 seconds. Dave does history on Bill McLeod. History is something we don't give enough attention, and we do it every Tuesday with Dave Does History on Bill McLeod. Dave Bowman with us. Dave, we're going to take a quick phone call. Good morning. You're up on Dave Does History. What are you thinking here? I am thinking this is fascinating. I am really, 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 uh, uh, this is, you know, it's educational, it's entertaining. It's really fascinating stuff. I I'm, I'm, I'm really appreciate this, Dave. Thanks, Mario. Uh, you know, as you're talking, and I appreciate what you do here too, Bill. Anyway, no, no, no. I, just, I was thanking you for on Dave's behalf. I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're enjoying it. No, 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 no. I just want you to know that I appreciate both of you. <laughs> okay. Uh, no, no. I'm not reacting. I don't know. I don't want to be misunderstood. Hey, listen. The as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the Civil War, and I'm saying, you know, in the Northern states, and maybe you could cover some of that, Dave, sometime, or maybe you already have the um, uh, the uh, newspapers who were saying, well, no, we don't want any more of the Civil War. We've already lost uh, 250, a quarter of a million people and you know, young men in the northern states. So they started uh, uh, you know, protesting against it in their newspapers. And I don't know how, how, uh, how much uh, responsibility Abraham Lincoln had for it, but there were, there were people who would go into these newspaper offices in, in the Midwest and in the northern states and start, start smashing the, smashing them up and beating up uh, newspaper men and so forth and so on and burning down newspapers. I, I just think this is a fascinating thing, how the government goes against the people and the people don't wake up for, you know, generations later and they say, oh, my God, you know, it's amazing, absolutely amazing. And you know what? As you're speaking, I'm thinking to myself also, what the government has to overcome is that huge, gigantic elephant standing right there in the middle of the room that no one sees, which is, you know, in 1917, we had about, what, 250, 300,000 Christian churches? And, you know, that, that right there, I think, uh, because you have Christian thinking that goes against a lot of what the government is trying to push. Yeah, I want to see where we're going to go with that, Mario. Thank you. And I know Dave appreciates your comments, too. Dave, anything as we move on here? Yeah, I would say tomorrow, you should have heard us when we were working together every day. If you really want to appreciate both of us. You know, Lincoln is the only president to have actually suspended the writ of habeas corpus. And so, you know, we praise Lincoln today. Lincoln saved the union. Lincoln did all this stuff. And I don't want to take any of that away from him. But it required suppression of constitutional rights to do that. And yes, they deported numerous uh I wouldn't call them pro-Confederate, but let's call them anti-war newspaper editors, were deported to the South, which is weird because they didn't recognize the South. But the the idea that the government 
is bound by the First Amendment only goes as far as we allow them to get away with it. And this is what Creel did, and this is what this disinformation government board is doing. They are looking to change public opinion so that we're just fine with it. Creel's worked. A hundred years later, we believe George Creel's committee and their view of things. We don't know about Robert Goldstein because they erased him from history. Where will we be if a hundred years from now when this disinformation government's board, you know, tells us about its focus on Russia and election interference and irregular migration, whatever the heck that means. Mm-hmm. What will be the opinion a hundred years from now from people? They look at those of us who disagreed with us and go, who were they? We don't know anything about them because they've been disappeared from history or Will we stand up for what's actually supposed to be the First Amendment? We're certainly trying to every day, and there's certainly a record of everything we're doing, and it's being scrutinized all the time by those who watch the Internet and the like. I think, so, I think that's the big difference is, you know, they erased Goldstein. They destroyed his film. That's not possible to do anymore. But no, they're still going to try. I mean, certainly, you know, George Orwell and his Ministry of Truth – certainly came up with the ideas of how they could do that. And again, now we're into the whole deep fake thing. And how do I know what's real on the internet? How do I know that, that Dave Bowman really supported the first amendment? Maybe that's just a creation of history. Maybe he's an unperson who knows what, where we're going to be in a hundred years. Well, that's true. And, and again, are we fighting the battle the right way? God, I hope so. I don't know how else to fight it. That's the problem is I, you know, these politicians, man, I mean, you say to them, you know, the entire answer is a convention of states. Yeah, Don't get me started, man. <laughs> don't, just don't, don't go there. But, <laughs> yeah. At any rate, the, the point is that we got to fight it the only way we know how. And the only answer to bad speech is more speech, be it bad or good, because it, it, there's a Pink Floyd song, you know, keep talking. And that's sometimes that's all we can do is just keep talking. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Speaking of, you want to hear Dave keep talking, thedavebowmanshow.com. You can uh, get his podcast on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, I'm in the middle of listening to the What the Frock podcast that he and our buddy Rod do together uh, every Sunday. And it's out on the app uh, Monday or Tuesday usually. So I started listening to it yesterday. It was out yesterday. So, yeah, I've got the first 20 minutes under my belt. We'll see what else is going on there. But you can always catch up with Dave. Multiple links to Dave and his show at BillMick.com today on our Tuesday show page. That's headlined, The Supreme Court Leak, Roe versus Wade, out We'll see where it takes us. Dave Bowman, we're at under a minute, my friend. Thank you. Always an interesting hour. I look forward to these Tuesdays and appreciate the hard work you put into it, man. Thank you. I appreciate that, too, and thanks to everybody that says it. By the way, I, I did cover this story of Goldstein much more in detail, and I think you've got it linked up there. It's called The Spirit of 1776. So That's been about yeah, a year ago. At BillMick.com on the uh, Dave Bowman section today. So. More of that there. I I knew I'd heard the story before. I'd forgotten parts of it. So it's always great as a refresher for me. And it's always fun to talk to my buddy Dave Bowman in Silverdale, Washington. Dave, thanks for taking the time. We'll see you next week. Yes, sir. McPherson Financial Group made it possible. Catch the podcast if you missed it. It's been a good day and wide open Wednesday tomorrow. 